Toronto Marley's playing on the weekend. Did you guys catch the Nick Robertson injury? Ugh, yes. Behind the net? Did not look promising. That was ugly. Yeah. It was a it was uh in a battle along the wall and he, someone came in and just steamrolled him and he fell backwards. And his uh his ankle got caught underneath him. Uh I have not heard any any uh any news on it today, but no. uh they, they were worried about a fracture uh on the weekend. Yeah. And you know, there's that risk of high ankle sprain, which is a terrible injury. And I know it doesn't sound as bad like a sprain, but it's bad to get a high ankle sprain. Just I feel for the kid because you know, he didn't he, he didn't go home during the pandemic so he could train at the Leafs facilities. He didn't go to the World Juniors. He's focused on the NHL, and here he is in the American League, and now maybe hurt again. Things not going quite as he drew him up. I want to pick up on that uh, later on in the show. We also have Rick Tockett joining us, but let's go to Emily Kaplan from ESPN. Uh, Emily, thank you for joining us. Uh, you you are by far the the busiest person in hockey. Writing well, TV. Thank you. Radio. And you're riding a fire truck as we speak. And, and, and you're driving a fire truck. <laughs> and you put fires Guys, out, Emily. It's been over and I'm sorry. I'm taking you to the nap sounds of Chicago. I'm just trying to get my exercise and get a couple steps. Good. Good. You do it all. Um, so, uh, first of all, how, how are things uh, at your end? Um, do you know which way is up right now? You know what? It's been a total whirlwind tip. Um, it's awesome, and I love it. And being between the benches is something that is just such an incredible experience, and I'm so pumped. I actually get a home game tomorrow in Chicago, Blackhawks Islanders, so I'm looking forward to that. But other than that, it's been an absolute whirlwind, and uh, we're definitely attacking the hockey coverage head-on in ESPN. That's, uh, hey, has anything uh, opened your eyes about the being between the benches? That's a very unique vantage point. Is it what you expected? You know, the most disappointing thing for me is the plexiglass is between me and the benches. It's very hard to hear what's actually going on the bench unless guys yell. So every guy I've talked to recently, I'm like, make sure you speak loud so I can eavesdrop and pass it along on the broadcast. Um, But, yeah, obviously the speed of the game, you know, you do have a new appreciation there. And then just the constant communication that the refs are having with players and with the coaching staff is something that I found pretty interesting. Like, I know they're always talking, but it's constant in the relationships that the refs have with players. Um, it's a lot deeper than I thought it was. Emily, great to have you on on, on the night that uh, Austin Matthews has his season debut uh, against the New York Rangers. You, of course, with this great feature on Austin Matthews uh, on ESPN's magazine. And I'm just wondering, first and foremost, uh, tell us a little bit about uh, putting this interview together because I'm sure like anytime you grab one of the young superstars, that's not necessarily the easiest interview to get. So... When did it transpire? How long were you in Arizona? And your overall thoughts about uh, getting this interview? Yeah, it was tricky. And, you know, we were supposed to be there. Um, it was like the middle of August, second week of August, and it did get pushed back because of that wrist surgery or wrist procedure. Um, and I was nervous that it wasn't going to happen. But um, thank you, Austin, for, you know, seeing it through. We were there for two days. Um, he was really gracious, not only with his time, but kind of gave us free reign of his house because we had a huge production crew with us. Um, for the TV stuff. And honestly, my biggest takeaway was like, what a dumb entourage he has. He honestly felt like he was in the show entourage. It was like Freddie Anderson, his best friend was just hanging out there. He's got his functional doctor. He's got a chef. He's got his agent. He's got his marketing agent. So it was pretty funny to see all of that hustle and bustle around him. The one thing that, uh, that just 
I picked up right away and and you've kind of set the table in it right from the get-go is his comfort zone in Arizona. Uh, you described it as a sanctuary. You mentioned the cactuses, the tumbleweeds. I had tumbleweeds when I played in Hartford because no one came to watch us play. Um, but th- those are, those are good ones to have in, in Arizona, but um, there just seems to be a, a real safety, safe feeling when he's down there. And one that, um, Emily, he he doesn't necessarily get in Toronto, and and that's probably the the biggest thing that I picked up in in the uh, in the article. Yeah, like Freddie was joking with me that like the pandemic was actually good for Austin because he could wear a mask and he didn't call as much attention to himself because literally the second he steps outside the rink or outside his apartment, um, it's pandemonium pandemonium in Toronto, and he's you know one of the biggest celebrities there. And it is interesting to see him go back to Arizona where. I think each year he goes back, he's noticed more and more. And there definitely are some hockey fans there. Um, there's a lot of snowbirds from uh, Canada who do recognize him. But the fact that he could go to, like, a public park and just play tennis um, with Freddie or take his dog for a hike and not get bothered, go to the grocery store, he sounds like a normal citizen, um, that's really refreshing because it is constantly, constantly um, exhausting just to have to be on all the time, which is his life and his reality in Toronto. So what's going to become of this guy? Because I, I got the sense from reading your piece that he's someone who wants to be different and wants to be famous, right? He wants to be a style icon and, and take on all these different challenges, but then he wants to hide behind the mask and not be famous and not be noticed and not talk to people at the grocery store and all, and all that sort of thing. You know, that evolution kind of goes one of two ways, doesn't it? It seems like you either got to lean into it or you can't, you can't have it both ways. So what's, what becomes of Austin Matthews? Did you get a sense for, for the kind of person he's going to become? You know, I think he's kind of straddling these two worlds. And then it's also this big dilemma where he does want to be that transcendent star that, frankly, hockey hasn't had, that crossover star that, you know, we talk about in page six and is kind of a celebrity in his own right. At the same time, he has to exist within hockey structure. And, I mean, his first couple of years in the league in Toronto, his general manager was Lou Lamarillo, who believes no player should be marketed whatsoever. The only thing that's been marketed is the logo on the front. And even though, you know, there has been a management change in hockey culture, you don't want to stand out from your teammates. It is bad to call more attention to yourself. And I think the one thing that he needs to do to kind of give himself the freedom is win because the one thing that he values more than anything else is a team championship, is a Stanley Mm -hmm. Cup. And I almost feel like he's at the point now where he's like, if I win, then I can kind of be my true self or take some more risks or put myself out there some more. But until I get to that point, I still need to get respected by my peers and get respected by the system, and I'm going to be a little bit more restrained. Great takeaway. But even winning, people will bother him. And you're reading yep. his quote that nobody, when he's in Arizona, nobody bothers me or talks to me or recognizes me. And if, if that's the case, I, based on your article, Emily, he may be playing in the wrong city. <laughs> no, and, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of people who are drawing the lines of being like, well, Arizona's the one team that doesn't have a, you know, that relaxed dress code first. Arizona's going to get a brand new arena. Like maybe he should just come home. And I do think that he enjoys and really values the opportunity to be the face of an original six franchise. I think that's special. I just think more so what he's saying is that it's exhausting. And I think it's a lot for somebody who's really young and he popped onto the scene at a really young age. And just to take that all on as you're still trying to find your way and, and figure yourself out as an adult, it's hard. 
One of the things you talked about is like a, you know, a crossover style icon. Uh, we know that's not allowed in hockey, but he de- you mentioned he's got some custom skates. Like this is black skates or your Sergei Fedorov. You could do one of two things, black or Fedorov. So what's this guy going to pull out on us? You, you got to see them. Yeah, they're pretty. I think that people are going to have a lot of opinions. Like it's, it's out there. Uh, you know, there's one that might pay homage to the U.S. Olympic team if we get close to the Olympics. Okay. Okay. Um, there's some that are pretty colorful. There's also sticks that are different. And I think what's so unique about that is like, the NBA sneaker game, right? Like guys just come to the court every day and you don't know what they're going to wear and it's cool. We never get that in hockey. And also hockey players are just so precious about their equipment. Like we have guys that are wearing jock straps and shoulder pads since they were in juniors. So the fact that he's been willing to like take a brand new pair of skates or a brand new stick and use it in a game. And a lot of these are new models. Again, a lot of guys just like fall back on what they knew. Um, I think that's pretty different and innovative and maybe will help push the sport forward a bit. Emily, congratulations on all your early success. Uh, it's it's terrific. Uh, we wish you all the best, and, and thanks for your insight on Austin Matthews. My pleasure. I always enjoy talking to you guys. Have a good one. Thanks, Emily. Emily Kaplan, ESPN Magazine. Um, yeah, interesting takes out of Austin Matthews when you, when you kind of break it down a little bit. And uh, did you get the sense that he kind of challenged a little bit of, I don't know what he describes as maybe uh, everybody's an expert in Toronto, whether they <laughs> kind of cross as a coach or a scout. Uh, I get I get the sense that, uh, Justin, that, uh, you know, he just, what was the line that she used or he may have used is the passion blinds them uh, mm-hmm. to think normally. Yeah. And so, and, and like, what what is normal? What is normal? <laughs> Here's the thing. Right? I, here's a Kipper. I love to sit at the, the bar and I spent many years bellied up to the bar and I wouldn't tell people what I did because I didn't want to hear people talk to me about the Toronto Maple Leafs and hockey and what people should do. I don't want to have those conversations because frankly, unless you're well-informed, there's a lot of people who tell you, ah, they need to do this or they need to do that. And you're like, yeah, well, I know why they can't, but I don't really want to get into this. I can't imagine being you or Austin Matthews and having people do it. Everyone, not just at a bar everyone so i appreciate the idea that he feels like i don't want everyone's opinion i don't need to hear it because people aren't informed enough getting it in toronto montreal vancouver you are getting it and i remember watching wayne gretzky do his press conference uh, as a new york ranger when word got out that he was going to retire and he sat at the podium all by himself and uh, John Rosasco, who do, did a great job for 30 years uh, handling all the star players on on the New York Rangers, was like, last question, last question. And he, and Gretz just waved him off. He's like, nope, nope, another one, another one, another one. And he, you could just, you could see him trying to protect him. But Wayne had that it factor where it just, it just came with the territory and not necessarily that he loved it, but mm. it, it just, you it needed to be fed. It just needed to be fed, and he had the patience for it. And I'm just not sure, you know, Matthews is in that place he's right now. He's good at it, though, this article. He's really good at it. Like, when he stands in there for questions, yeah. the man is relaxed and confident, and I, I think he's great at it. Yeah, but are you great at it all the time? Are you great at it when you are in the supermarket? Because that, to me, is... The consistency of it, not just when the cameras are rolling. 
I would say you yeah. don't have to be unless you want to be a transcendent star, like, you know, well, what seems like he wants to be. The, the one quote that kind of got me a little bit was uh, when, he, when he's talking about Toronto fans. And he says, I, I know they grew up playing hockey and they love hockey and they watch a lot of hockey, but I don't know. Sometimes they can be very... And then he pauses and uh, she doesn't finish the, the sentence. Or no, not censored. No, no, just, self-censored. Yeah. And he, it's like he caught himself. He caught himself saying maybe something that, I don't know, he might have regret saying. I, I'm not sure. But there, there, the one thing that I did get out of Emily's article was that uh, he really, really is not quite comfortable with that type of scrutiny and attention. And, you know, Mitch Marner's from here and there's no escaping it. He has it 24-7. He lives here. His family lives here. They deal with it every day of the year. Maybe Marner needs a place in Arizona. Well, Matthews <laughs> Matthews is the first guy to leave Toronto after the season and, and one of the last guys to come for training camp. And uh, he does not like hanging out here. Listen, I he get doesn't. all of it. Don't you? I understand. I, I do. Yeah, I do. I, I do get all of it. And it's not for everybody. I... I Matt, I played with Matt Sundin here. Yeah. Uh, he did not make Toronto his home, and he didn't spend much time here in, in the off season. And sometimes guys just have had enough, and and I get all of that. But you know, he's he's young too. Let's not forget that that Austin is is young, and you know whether or not we're talking about a guy that uh, still is feeling himself out on where his comfort zone, and maybe it's in doses. And maybe it grows to to something much greater. But JB is also on the clock, right? He's mm. got three years left on his contract. Well, it's not him who's on the clock, Kipper. It's the Leafs. They either win and he stays or they don't and <laughs> everyone gets fired or he goes. I mean, right? He's got the – he holds – it's Austin Matthews' team now. It's It wasn't two years ago. It's his team now. Yeah. They either yep. win and keep him or they're going to have to get rid of some people. To please him. They'd be like LeBron. Like, like Matthews will call his shots here if they don't win. Yes. No no doubt about that. And they, and they got to win in two years. Because right. you, you, don't, you don't let Matthews go into his last year. You can, you can rent a lot of players. That's not the guy <laughs> no. you're going to rent. Okay? You don't rent. You can rent Zach Hyman. You can rent JVR. You can you can rent anybody you want, but you don't let an Austin Matthews play out the last year of his deal and and walk out the door for nothing. So what do you do? Kip give him fifteen year, million a year? This year, next year. Like like Matthews is making like McDavid makes twelve five, and that deal was signed a while ago. So Matthews will get more than that. And can you let him just I'm actually curious to know if he would take a huge, huge number and knowing the pressure it puts on you in this market and how it hampers your ability yeah. to win. I'm curious to see. I, I, I don't, I, I think we're going to start seeing these stars sign one or two year deals. And if the, if, if the cap is, is uh flat or marginally up, then he'll say, yeah, I'll take, uh, I'll take 14 or 15% of it, go up to maybe 12 and a half, 13 on a one-year deal. Hope the cap goes up, more money comes in. And, and now you could maybe speak of a, of a longer-term deal. But these teams are going to have to bet on themselves that players are going to want to stick around. And that uh, yeah, I know you... Ottawa, Ottawa went through it where they didn't allow uh, a Brady Kachuk 
to sign a three-year deal. They just wanted nothing to do with it for the obvious reason. He would run. He would run away. But Toronto's, some of the other teams, they just have to bank that that Austin's going to want to stay. Sam, Sam, he just a groan from the other side of the glass. Sam, what was that groan? What, just, the, listen, the, like the it's, spicy lunch. What, well, what's no, going well, on? With I, you? I had a I had a wonderful lunch, um, homemade soup by my mother. It was spectacular. But what I will say is, this is like I know it's his, his debut, and everybody's excited about the lease. But like this is a conversation amongst Leafs fans. This is like something that all other markets of fans, you know, on Twitter and all my Habs buddies, everyone around them, they hold this over Leafs fans' heads that Austin Matthews has three more years left. Oh, he's running to Arizona. Oh, he's out of here. Like. That is a real reality that Leaf fans deal with. And I know it's three years down the road. I know they have all these seasons yeah. to play, but, like, God, it would have been nice to get them for eight. It would have been nice Just, to get them for eight, fellas. How about seven? I, how about six? Would have liked anything more than five. So, I, I, you know, I, I, I don't buy Arizona for one second. No, he's not going Arizona. I mean, we joke right. about it, but he's not really going to do that. I mean, if Arizona is unbelievably stacked, and they've moved to a brand new arena in downtown, yeah. like Tempe, uh, if that's well, a downtown. That, yeah. that roster looks like they're ready to take the did, next did, step here. So maybe did, he's jumping to Arizona here. There is no did, downtown. Did you, did you say downtown Houston? <laughs> oh. <laughs> Montreal, yes. sorry, Quebec City? I, I, I would not, I, I'd worry about that if I was Austin. That yeah. my, my dream to play in Arizona turned into my nightmare to go to play in Houston. Yeah, Why not quite the same. Houston? Another, another place where it's Fourth largest, largest market in the U.S., is that right? We don't need to get into that. All right. No, but... No, I'm just saying the only, we're, we're, only way it's realistic, Kipper, is if there's a new arena and the team is loaded. Or at least good. Okay, I stop with the negativities. Playing for the Toronto Maple Leafs tonight, can you just not focus on the New York Rangers? What's wrong with you guys? How did you spin this on us? <laughs> that was an amazing spin job, I just, buddy. I just beat Twitter to the punch. You did. You absolutely did. In fairness, we should. It's a ridiculous conversation to have. But it, listen, it's it's in everyone's mind. It's at the back. Might as well address it head on. There you go. There you go. We also got Rick Tockett coming up. I want to get into him, uh, get into uh, with him, uh, the play of bunting and, and how that Guy could easily be a, a coach's dream. Did he coached just, him in uh, Arizona, right? Wind him up and let him go. Yeah. 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 So uh, he, he saw uh, all of it. And uh, we'll get into that. And just in general, like how difficult is it today to to get certain players to to wind up and go? You know what, Kip? Maybe we can ask him about this Arizona stuff and, and Austin Matthews and get his sense of uh, the market there how much it would work with the superstar, you know, would it change things? Quite the experience coaching down there, I imagine. Wow, no. you just uh, you just spun this right back, eh? Yeah, I'm here to loop it all together, buddy. Did you play with Tockett? I, I broke into the uh, uh, Philadelphia Flyer organization with, uh, with Rick, and that was, uh, I got sent Fight back him? to junior. I, I never fought Rick. Rick was... Uh, a big tough guy and, and made me nervous. Nice. So, uh, you've seen you fight Kipper. Not many people yeah. made you nervous. Yeah, but uh, Rick was uh, one of the original super young superstars with uh, the late Peter Zezel and Derek Smith. So they were uh, a Scarborough line oh, in, in Philadelphia in the 80s. Not quite the Wayne Simmons bunting Scarborough connection today, but uh, they... Uh, 
they they were huge for the Flyers in the in the eighties, and and Rick Tockett, of course, one of the most popular Flyers in history now. So, with the way that a lot of those guys played in that era, I like I like looking at this Toronto Maple Leafs team and asking the question: Do you have to have some element to that? Because right now, the third and fourth line in this team. Uh, team you have Kerfoot, Camp, and Kasha, so not a big heavy grindy line. Engvall, Spezza, Simmons, you know they're a couple of bigger guys, but not going to play like that. Do you do you believe you can win in playoffs with a lower part of your forward group built like that? Yeah. What is today's Rick Tockett? Is it is it Coleman? Is it Goudreau? I would say yes. Okay. So is there anybody in the lineup that's that's close to those guys? Would it be bunting? Yeah. Bunting in theory. Uh, well, like Richie, in, as, as long as I'm saying in right. theory, is that? Yeah, well, the good news is I think uh, Simmons had a better game. It just seemed like uh, uh, the forecheck was more engaging. Of course, uh, set up with a, a real nice play by Sandin uh, on, a, on a redirect mm-hmm. for the first goal. But there seemed to be a little bit more of a presence. But I'd still like to see Simmons play that type of role where uh he's 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 noticeable when when he isn't scoring mm-hmm. in front of the net. Yeah, and that's what I'm trying to do in my head with this team is trying to envision what it looks like in the postseason when they're winning. Like, you know, what is this line's role? And we've talked about being aggressive on the forecheck and turning pucks over, but you know, if you have Spez on the line, you're not a pure forechecking checking grindy role. I guess it's maintaining offensive zone possession, and it looks like it did against Ottawa last night. I'm not sure that group can do it against the better teams in the league. Pretty big challenge tonight against the New York Rangers, uh, who came up large against the Montreal Canadiens. Uh, Shesterkin was really solid mm. and looks like to have a real bright future with the New York Rangers. Did you catch the game-winning goal? By uh, Lafreniere. I did, yeah. I loved his dad. Great reaction. Yes. Yeah. And how about um, Adam Fox? Three assists or something already. Cruising again. Like, you know what's interesting uh, is that, you know, in the empty rinks when Fox was on Mm -hmm. and he did something spectacular, you could hear the benches, I was told, by guys going, ooh, (laughs) ooh. Ooing and awing. That's how... That's how impressive Fox is. Yeah, it's one of those rare guys that his uh, his main attribute is brain, right? Just a real great thinker and puck mover as a result. All right, we found the real rocket, 22. Rick Tockett, TNT hockey analyst. And, of course, three-time Stanley Cup champion. Talk, uh, Gretz is allowing you to do this? Yeah, I have to go through his PR department, you know. <laughs> they, 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 gave, they gave me the okay. They gave me the nice. okay. Nice. <laughs> nice. How are you enjoying it? I, I, you guys got to be having a blast. Yeah, you know, Nick, I, I'll be honest with you. Like, uh, um, when I took when – I, when I met with the executives, you know, you test for it. You know, you do the test. And they, they said, uh, hey, they'd like to sign you. And they said, listen, we, we don't want a, a pure hockey show. We want, like, an entertainment – and we want you guys to obviously talk hockey, but also uh, not be afraid to tell stories or, di- or demonstrate stuff or, you know, rib on each other. And um, that's what they want. That's the atmosphere TNT kind of creates. I mean, obviously the bar is set with the, with the NBA there with Barkley and Shaq, that, that show they have, Ernie Johnson. It's, it's you know, an Emmy-winning show. They, those guys uh, do a great job. So um, they, that's what they want, though. You know, that's the sort of the, the feedback. And 
Um, and in their first class, I, I'll tell you, it's been, it's been a lot of fun. How different is it for you when you're focusing on the league at large versus just one hockey team and coaching a group of guys? Uh, do you feel like you're able to keep up better on things around the league? What changes for you when your focus widens like it has over the, the summer? Yeah, a lot, lot easier in a sense where you're, you're, you know, you're looking at the whole league, you're talking to some people, you're, you follow the league a lot more. When you're coaching your own team, you know, obviously, listen, you're watching, you're watching periods here of other teams, you're doing pre scouts don't get me wrong, but you're so wrapped up your team. Uh, this is all, you know, and you listen, this, this is less stress too, because <laughs> you know, you're not living, dying by losses. I, I'll tell you what, maybe I'll start growing some hair back again, but um, it, it's, it's definitely a lot easier. Uh, it's funny, this John Cooper texted me today. He was busting, busting on me a, a little bit about, uh, you know, being on TV and not behind the bench, just like joking around. So it, that part of it's really good. Um, but, you know, listen, the one thing you miss is a competitive fire. You know, with Cooper and, and Bruby, I talked to with Travis Green a lot. You know, they're in the fire and they're telling me, you know, I talk to those guys a lot. It's like, they're, you know, they're doing this, they're doing that. So that gets your juices going. But it, it, it definitely is a lot of fun and, and there's really no stress with this job. We were talking earlier in the show on on just some players, uh, and probably there was more of these way back when, but some like Michael Bunting, you can just wind up, open the door, and let him go. And then others, you got to light a fire under their ass. And I'm just wondering, is over the years, was that a little frustrating for you as a coach? Well, yeah, but I'm glad you mentioned him because uh, he got it about two years ago. Like, you know, he had a tough time in the Myers. And- you know, it was a loose cannon, you know, didn't train that hard, but two years ago, he just kind of, he just saw the light. And uh, when we called him up last year, I'll tell you, it was a breath of fresh air because this guy was low maintenance. Uh, he went to the net. I mean, what he scored, what 12 goals in 20 games. And I was shocked. And I remember us, um, uh, I was talking to some GMs around the league and I was shocked that uh, he didn't resign with Arizona um, because he is a good player, and it's a great signing by Toronto. Uh, but you're right, Nick. Yeah, I, it, you know, I, I it, listen. Back in the day, a coach told you what to do, and you didn't ask questions. Now, you better have answers for the guys. You know, they they want questions. They don't want you to answer their questions. It's not like, hey, go here, do that. They're going to ask why. There's a lot of whys, and you just got to deal with it. And it, uh, you have to have a partnership with the players. That's really, if you want to survive as a coach, you got to have that relationship with a player or your team if you want to survive. So Bunting is one of the guys here with the Leafs that, you know, is able to, to bring some energy and, and makes the fans believe. Uh, what are your perceptions of this Maple Leafs team, uh, their chances this season, and I guess compared to, to the way they looked last year? Well, I, I, that, that's what I mean. The perfect example is a Bunting guy. He can play up and down the lineup, um, and he's an energy guy. You know, you're in a playoff series. You know, he's that guy, uh, you know, he might – you know, listen, sometimes the big bi- big boys are going, so, uh, you know, maybe he only plays 12 minutes one night. And then the next night, you know, you might be able to play him 17, 18 because he's going too because he just adds that, you know, they at least need that that support system, that, you know, in the bottom six uh, that can play any type of style but also a little bit of a speed game and be able to fit that puzzle. He's a puzzle fitter. You know, that's what they need. And I think that uh, he's a guy that's going to really help them uh, you know, if they make the playoffs and get in those playoff series, you know, uh, he's a guy that's going to be around the net for seven games. You know, every night he'll go to the net every night. Um, so that was, a, like I said, that was a really good signing by Dubas. 
Yeah, um, someone, I, I, I didn't catch it, talk, but someone mentioned that you made a comment about uh, Ovechkin getting mic'd up with the Washington Capitals going up against Ryan Reeves, but uh, I, I didn't yeah. like I didn't like the exchange, and um, I, I'm under the impression you didn't like it either. They just said they well, you know, they, they exchanged yeah. pleasant pleasantries. That's all. Well, I mean, listen, I'm not advocating fighting, and I know the games changed, but you know, the Rangers. A lot of people lost their jobs over what happened last year. Um, you know, Drury went out and got some really good, you know, tough players. And I just didn't like that game by the Rangers. To me, that was a statement. I mean, like I said, it wasn't about dropping the gloves. Um, yeah, it would have been nice if, if that happened just to show, hey, this to the league, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to, you can't do that to our best player, Panera. It's not going to happen. And I, and I was a little disappointed. Listen, I like Reeves, the way he plays the game. Don't get me wrong, but you know, I'm not sure going up to their best player. Hey, how's your summer? How you doing? Big boy is a, is something that yeah. you know management or ownership would would really like to see. Um, so, you know, like I said, yeah. you know, I, I hated I it. Like it. Me personally, I hated it. Yeah. It's like cutting yeah. deals, man. Like, you know what Ranger fans wanted to hear? Tell Wilson I'm coming after him. How about that? Like, you know, well, it doesn't even it. doesn't yeah. even have to be doesn't have to ex- escalate to anything. But just tell tell. Hey, Ovi, go tell Tom Wilson it's going to be a long year. How about something like that? But Yeah, that... yeah, exactly. Uh, Nick, it, like, the best in the business for me is Craig Ruby and Ty Domi. You know, what, what they would do is they would start the game, and uh, you know, they'd play aggressive, and they'd basically say, hey, listen, um, I'm going to beat, beat the crap out of you. Like, you know, like I've seen Crew Chief and Ty going, you know, if the tough guy on the other team's not going to fight him or, or, or they're, you know, the other team's playing cheap, you know, sometimes you go playing, and, I, and it's obviously different nowadays. Play the other team's best players really hard. Don't turn down a check. Anytime those guys pass the puck, you're finishing them. Every time they're going by you, nothing dirty, but you're getting in front of them. You're, you know, you're standing in front of their goalie. Uh, you intimidate that way. You know, the, the drop in the gloves probably doesn't work as much anymore, but there's other ways to intimidate. And, um, you know, whether it's a power play, you know, scoring goals, you know, things like that. So, um, yeah, I, I, you know, we overhyped. You know, it was an, I said before the game, I think it's an overhyped game. I, I don't think you're going to see the, the fireworks that everybody wanted to see. Um, and I was right. It was just really wasn't a, it was kind of a boring game, to be honest with you. So is it easier to be a, mm, not a softer player, maybe that's not the right word, but is it, is it easier to be a player today who doesn't engage in that sort of physical element? Like is intimidation still as relevant as it used to be or still relevant at all? Yeah, I think you got to intimidate other ways. Um, yeah. You know, teams to run. Your, your power better be dialed in if the team's running, uh, running around. You know, to me, to me, the intimidation or, or, or what you want to show other teams is, you know, especially nowadays is, you know, there's not the fight. Just playing inside, knowing that, hey, you get, you get knocked down. Next shift, you're going right back in front of the net again. And, uh, and you, if you, you have waves of that, your team, the other team's like, man, these guys are tough. They're, they're pests. They're not, you know, they're not necessarily going to fight. Um, and then when you get them on the power play, they make you burn. They burn you. So I think that's the way you burn a team. Um, but it is, listen, it's a luxury to have guys like Tom Wilson, those guys, wherever you want some wall, if they want to drop the gloves, they can. Um, because listen, I, you know, in Arizona, you know, we didn't have the toughest team. You know, guys really played hard, but every once in a while, we go up against a Reeves or somebody, uh, a Manson or a Luchik or something, and if they started kind of run around, you know, I could see our team getting on our heels a little bit. Uh, so there is a luxury to have those type of guys. 
the question is, can you even afford one? And if you can, we assume that Reeves isn't going to play all 82 games. Uh, the Leafs have one in Gabriel, and it's almost as if you're in a, in a cold war. You have this weapon, but you're just not sure if you're ever going to use it. <laughs> Yeah, no, but the guy like, you know, Wayne Simmons for me is, you know, he's probably going to have three or four, you know, three or four fights a year. Like, that's probably it. But he can intimidate other ways in the sense like where, especially with no cross-check and, you know, the cross-check, they're really clamping down, which is, you know, which is great, especially in front of the net. Um, you know, you know, he should be in front of the net every, every minute of the game, you know, where he's, you know, he's touching pucks around the net and getting those type of goals uh, because nobody's going to, you know, who's going to try to move him out consistently. Um, you know, and, and, I, and I actually, when they play Montreal and stuff like that, when he's in front, you know, Montreal's got some big defensemen where, you know, he can intimidate and be in front of that. And if, if he had to drop his gloves, he has that weaponry, but he's a guy that, you know, you'd like to see him especially be around and score those goals because can he get 20, 20, like that would be the key if he can get like 18 to 20 goals for the Leafs. Talk before you came on. We were uh, talking about uh, Austin Matthews, who has a place in the summer in uh, like the base of Camelback Mountain. There, I know you're very familiar with the the area. Um, we we're talking about a scenario where Austin Matthews would ever go to Arizona. You know, he's got three years left in this deal. Let's say things don't work out here. Could you see it happening? Like, what would have to happen to draw him there? And and what would it mean to that market if they could get a guy like Austin Matthews, specifically him, obviously. Well, Austin Matthews, he's got a ton of money, right? He can go anywhere, and he, and he spends a lot of, well, most of his summer in, you know, in Arizona, Scottsdale, that's 110 degrees. So the kid loves Arizona. He loves Scottsdale. He's there, you know, anytime he can. So uh, is there a possibility? There's a huge possibility. Um, you know, I know, um, you know, obviously the Coyotes can't do anything for three years, but, um, you know, uh, <laughs> I can honestly tell you that there's, you know, going to be probably from ownership a big push to get, take a shot at him in three years. Um, uh, he, like I said, he loves Arizona. Uh, the minor, minor minor hockey has obviously done, you know, it's, it's actually they've done a great job in the the program, the kid program out there. And Austin Matthews is, is you know the poster boy, right? So I think um, is there a big chance? Yeah, I think there's a big chance. But um, what I think, guys. If the Leafs can somehow be very successful in the next three years, is there a cup or something? Um, I could see Austin Matthews staying in Toronto. If they're not so successful, then you know you'd see maybe Austin make the jump. But saying that, uh, like the Coyotes got three years to make sure that they can get their team up to par where they're a challenging team. Because you know, why would Austin Matthews sign there if the team's not good? I don't think he's. You know, obviously he's going to get that money anywhere. Um, so that's the one thing that the next three years are going to be intriguing, how it's going to work out. Talk, you may have saved it with if they win, he could stay because our producer, Super Sam, diehard Lee fan, was in a puddle yeah. sucking his thumb <laughs> in the corner of the studio just moments ago when you said there's a good chance he's going to leave. Well... <laughs> Well, the Leafs better win. Put it this way. They've had tons of success. Gone. That's I mean, no problem. But tons of success in the playoffs. Yeah. They'll be fine. <laughs> you know, you get one of the best. You know, you got one of the best pure goal scorers, him and Ovechkin, on the market um, in three years. I mean, obviously, you know, a lot of teams are going to take a crack at him. So, talk tonight. We expect Richie to play with Matthews and and Marner. You're, you, let's put you behind the bench tonight. How do you get, you watch Nick Ritchie, right? You, you've, you've seen him out in the West in, in Anaheim. 
big, strong guy, can can do a lot of things out there. How, how does a coach get this guy going? Well, that's uh, it's it's funny, right? Um, you, when you're playing with those type of guys, you're, there, there should be just two words in your game, give and, uh, three words, give and go. Give them a puck, go through the box. You know, that's the one thing that, you know, myself, like, and I wasn't the most talented guy, but when you play Maryland, you're Wayne Gretzky, you give them the puck and you just go through people and you get to the net and they'll find you. And if they don't, they're going to find somebody behind you. Um, so that's just my advice to him. Like, he should be around the net. He should be winning those puck battles, trying to, you know, maybe uh, resetting the puck behind the net to Matthews, give him time, and then get to the net. Um, you know, those type of players, and I, and, I can, and I can speak for Wayne and Mario, they, don't, they didn't like playing with East-West guys. Maybe one guy in their line could play East-West, but the other guy cannot. So mm-hmm. um, if he can play, a, you know, that, that, you know, just that burst where he goes, the give and go through, win those battles, you'll be able to make a play through the neutral zone. You know, that's a big thing is when you get it, be able to find those guys, those passes, I think that's huge. So, um, but simplify your game, you know, um, you know, running through people. If there's scrums, to make sure that uh, he knows that nobody touches them. That's his job, and then uh, and he will get rewarded if he does that. He'll get those goals off his his ass, or he'll get those tipping goals, or you know he'll get those shots in the slot because those guys will find them. But if you play a fancy game and you try to you try to play a, their their style and you know play a little bit of rare hockey, it won't be successful. So you're cool with the broadcasting gig. You you don't regret turning down a, a leaf job, do you? <laughs> Uh, you know what? I, I, it was. It, I had a, some offers by some teams, and it was t- it was close. But I'll be honest, you know, I thought to move the needle, if I ever want to become a head coach again, I thought this was the right way. Plus, you know what, Nick? It's a it, you take this year to reinvent yourself. I think every year as a coach, you got to reinvent yourself. Is there a better way of practicing? Is there a better way of communicating with players? Uh, can you be a better coach in certain situations? Do you, you know so? I'm going to do my homework this year. Uh, like I said, I got a good group of coaches I'd like to talk to, those three, four guys, and pick their brain. And, uh, you know, maybe something down the road happens. If it doesn't, um, hey, this is still a lot of fun what I'm doing. Okay, let me just write this down. Rick Tockett does not regret turning down a leaf <laughs> job. Hey, Talk, thanks for doing this, pal. Hey, awesome talking to you guys. Call You're awesome. Time. Thanks, We man. love you. We love you. There is old school hockey, baby. Rick Tockett, my idol. <laughs> we used to train together a little bit. I don't know if he remembers, but he used to take me to the gym every once in a while at the Fitness Institute just off the Don Valley uh, Parkway. And we used to hang out, and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm working out with Rick Tockett. This is so cool. I just picture you guys eating raw racks of ribs after. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the same people I was training well, with. How many guys could score you 30 or 40 and end up with, what, 300 penalty minutes doing that job? It's incredible. Incredible. Tom Wilson, pre-Tom Wilson. And and he's got the cups, and he's got the cups to prove it. But uh, uh, where do you want to go? Final thoughts? JB, Sam, what do you think? Rangers tonight? Rangers, Rangers. Um, Here, I, I got some thoughts. I don't know about this Rangers team. You know, I, I, I saw them play against Montreal the other night. Um, I... You know, they're supposed to be taking a step now. I'm curious to see if that happens. I didn't necessarily love their offseason. I, 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 they could go any way for me, this Rangers team. They could be awesome or awful, and I would not be surprised. I feel like they have the full range. I'm curious to see what they are. Uh, Sam, you, you okay? I see the wheels turning in your head. Yeah. 
I, more... I'm, I'm really excited to cherish the last three seasons of Austin Matthews in Toronto starting tonight. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, get 200 goals out of him over but, those three years. But I am really, really looking forward to seeing a non-Canadian team versus the Toronto Maple Leafs. Oh, yeah. First there American team since whoever, uh, it's been a long time. So it's going to be, well, I guess since Columbus in the bubble. So, so really you, looking you, forward you, to that. You've recovered over that conversation. No, no. I'm going to go home and have a sleepless night tonight, fellas. But other than that, I'm great. We'll talk tomorrow. Uh, uh, Would you have liked to have seen Rick Tockett behind the leaf bench this season? Uh, You you love making people squirm, eh? (laughs) I saw that look on your face. You're just smiling here to here. I mean... Any as many old school hockey guys as you can get, mix them the old and the new. I lo- I love that, so I would have been happy with it for sure. All right, the Leafs versus the Rangers, and we're gonna tell you all about it tomorrow on the show. All right, our thanks to Derek, Tech, Sammy, and JB. I'm Nick Kiprios. Thanks for being a part of our show. Real Kipper and Born, right back at you tomorrow.